Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show that is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. That 10% discount is up for grabs at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello with me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Fancy getting all our podcasts ad-free, including the extra ball. You will also get a daily email, full digital sub to the square ball with merch discounts for annual subscribers too. To TSB Plus, our brand new subscription package, plenty to get your teeth into at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Have a look. Back to the bridge and our 2-1 defeat. We're still calling it 2-1. I only saw two goals to them, one to us. So that's how it ended. Disappointing, wasn't it? And it's getting worse. Should we get all the puns out of the way now? Because Robin Cox injured. He he limped. So Cock limped off. Uh, broken cock. Cock injury. Cock out. Yeah. Is it a soft yeah. tissue injury or is it bone related? I'm not sure yet. I haven't inspected cock myself. Uh, so. Do, they, do yeah. they need to pull the skin back and take a closer <laughs> look at, at what's happened to his knee? There is talk of a surgeon being involved. So good. Right, we've done that. going to be a delicate operation. Very much so. That's not good, is it? No. Why is it not good, Michael? You're the expert in breaking things down into terms we can all understand. Why is cock being injured not good? Because he's our first choice centre-back. We've not had him long and now he's broken. Only broken for a bit. He'll get better. He'll He's, come back. We'll, no. we'll just enjoy Llorente. We might not want him back. Cooper and Llorente may be the, the finest centre-back pairing. Two friends who just haven't met yet. I have every reason to believe this is a, a career-ending injury. At best, if he ever walks again. Dr Normanton, the, the cock expert. Yep, that's me. Total foreshot it in then, has he? He's foreshot it. It is annoying, because I, I quite liked him. I know he had a, the odd slip-up and defensively he's, he's not always been 100% but I've liked what he's done generally I quite like the way he brings the ball out and does some risky passes he fits in nicely Do we think it's a top four conspiracy? Liverpool player had a go at him that apparently started this and now a Chelsea one's come along and kicked him in exactly the same place Do you think they've been talking? We need to, to roll the tape and see who these two players were that kicked him coincidentally in the exact same place Project big picture via the back door that's what this is they're trying to get that power grab and if you're talking about conspiracies they would have organised this via 5G and government issued fog and they probably gave him a coronavirus vaccine and that's what's caused it a Bill Gates anaesthetic that's what he's got under for this operation at least we'll be able to track him going forward anyway no it's not good is it it's not good but nothing like being thrown in at the deep end like Urente was uh, at the weekend, which it's annoying when you have these games, isn't it? Because we've come out of that one going, do you know what? We were second best, really, because they're dead expensive and dead good. And it hurts even more that their manager is who their manager is. I mean, we have tried to take as much credit as possible away from Lampard by going, look at that, look how expensive it all is. He shouldn't deserve any credit for this, but, you know, they deserve the win, didn't they? they yeah, he doesn't. It still applies. It's not to do with him. 
They got a very high XG. We got totally out XG'd. I think they outran us as well, which is a rare beast these apparently days. that's a lie. Is it? Apparently there was some um, out sprinting, short sprints. Apparently they, they led in that metric and then that got confused and uh, muddled up with um, outrunning. I think we were still a kilometre ahead. Confused or deliberately misrepresented? Well, you know, I mean, I don't even trust these XG figures. Well, the XG figures actually, and I do trust them, because they're fine. 4.6 says... Well done, Ilan Melier. Imagine what that game would have ended up with with another goalkeeper of less ability. And not to mention that at least three of that XG would be Timo Werner hitting himself and the bar. So it's bollocks, isn't it? If we're going on Melier, he probably deserves some credit for adding to the XG as well at one point by passing it straight to Giroud. But he recovered. He's very good. You looked at the XG for that um, Timo Werner thing, didn't you? And it was like 0.6. It was like he was in front of the goal, an open goal with nobody in front of him. Yeah, it seemed a bit low. Is all I'm saying. Although his actions did then prove that it it can not happen. So they've got to factor that in. I suppose the the model did its job. Melier was good. I think the thing with his mistake passing to them and some of the... the, We didn't look that confident playing around at the back. Chelsea just got some good players. They know how to press. They don't need Frank Lampard. I'm sure the the team talk was all uh, Lampard saying, you know, oh, if you were, if you pressed them, and it, it, yeah, all right, Frank. <laughs> We've got this. Yeah, Jody's Jody's got a presentation. It's all right. Do you want to email it to us? We're we're going. All right. Well, we've got this. Don't worry about it. You paid five hundred million pounds for this squad. Well, you didn't. Somebody else did. You just happened to be here. So we know what we're doing. Just you watch. know, you know when Bielsa played against Pep in Spain and he handed him the dossier afterwards, didn't he? To say this is all the information I had on your side. Do you reckon? that Frank Lampard did the same at the weekend. He handed uh, Bielsa a dossier, said, this is everything we know about your team. Post it. Well, we were out attack momentum as well. That was the sad sadness for me. I think XG champion was last year. Attack momentum champions is what we've been this year. And we weren't attack momentum winners. We weren't even, we didn't even manage any decent spells in this game. Have you seen Kante play before? He's good, isn't he? Yeah. I think really annoyingly good. That's the thing is they had those front three made it difficult for our defenders to get out and they were blocking passing lanes is the the phrase of the day. And then if you get through that, you've got Kante and, bless him, Stuart Dallas in midfield against him. There's a mismatch. There's just sometimes you see these these differences in quality and whereas we were able to do it against Liverpool and we were able to solve it against Manchester City this time, just couldn't find the answers until Rodrigo came on and we did then start to attack and we had the the chance for Paveda to to dive and win a penalty that he shouldn't have had to dive for, which could have evened it up. We could have very easily, with a good performance from Melier that we had, and as difficult as it was, then Rodrigo coming on and having that late spell when we were attacking them, that could have finished 2-2 and then we're we're much happier than than we are about losing 2-1. When it comes to Rodrigo, he's our most expensive player ever. I feel like I want him to play because he's very good and I do wonder, I mean, I don't ever want to criticise Bielsa, but do you think maybe he's getting this one wrong by trying to stick with the same eleven when you've got somebody so clearly as good as Rodrigo on the bench? And I know this is this is Bielsa's method, it's the way that he does things, but just I don't know. I just want to see Rodrigo play because he's very talented. He'll get in soon. And when he gets in, I think he'll stay in, is the, the key thing. He's just, we have been winning games, and well, we beat Arsenal, as we've, we've discussed, just as we beat Liverpool. We've played well in games and he doesn't want to change it. And I do understand it. And I know he's had COVID as well, which we don't know. Maybe that has impacted his fitness to an extent. 
But yeah, I want to see him play. I think it's the recovering from the virus. He was saying it about Llorente that, you know, he's perfectly healthy to play, but he wants him to play some games in the under-23s to increase his level so that he's of a, a level ready to play four matches in the Premier League. And we've seen, as we've learned with Robin Cock being injured since the, the Liverpool game, he will play players in the circumstances when they are necessary. I wonder if Chelsea away when there's every likelihood that we were going to get beat, was there a great deal of point in starting Rodrigo in that game or do you just stick to to what we're doing is getting his fitness up half hour by half hour under 23's match by under 23's match so that when he is in the team he's the one we need and he's probably more relevant against West Ham and Newcastle than he was going to be in in this game and and maybe there is also just the factor of it didn't matter who we are playing against the ideal world Llorente wouldn't have played in that match because he wants him to play under 23's games and the ideal world Rodrigo plays half an hour because that's the output Bielsa thinks he can get from him. I don't think he's looking at him thinking Click is genuinely a better option at 10. He knows who's the better player there. It's just when he's ready for it in Bielsa's mind. Well, I've just run some numbers because we are 14th with 14 points after 11 games. And that puts us on course over the course of the season for just over 48 points, 48 and a third points, which you'd accept that, wouldn't you? 48 points in our first season. If it keeps us up. It would. Would 48 points. Compare that to uh, Sheffield United's total. And I don't want to get too gloaty yet because there's a long way to go in this season, but they are on for about three and a half points this season <laughs> at current rate. They're in trouble. That's a shame, isn't it? I think they will win some games at some point. I don't truly believe they're that bad. Whenever I've seen them, they've not been absolutely terrible. Like, I've seen West Brom being absolutely terrible and Burnley being terrible and Fulham. Sheffield United just seem to be they managed to just be bad enough to lose games is what they seem to be mastering quite nicely at the moment. And it is funny. And we can have this confidence that teams like them, Burnley, uh, West Brom, Fulham, they're all worse than us and they're showing it. So as long as they stick to that consistently through the rest of the season, we can't go down. We could not win another point and we might stay up, which would be an interesting experiment. Arsenal are particularly bad this season. They're sitting below us. They're in 15th with a point less than us. They're, they're not in good shape at all they've lost one more game than us it's funny isn't it we've got one more point through the by virtue of one more draw than them we said this is actually probably a decent start they're absolutely tearing their hair out those mentalists I mean we should have beaten them very easily they are terrible I think they've beaten scum this year which is I think gave everyone a bit of false hope forgetting that they're also terrible and have days when they just when all of their incredibly expensive players completely fail to turn up so it's quite funny, isn't it, with Arsenal? I'm, I must admit, particularly having watched some Arsenal fan TV, I hope they go down. If only for the uh, for the content opportunities. Speaking of which, let's find out what Chelsea thought of us in propaganda. This is where we check in on opposition clubs and opposition opinions. And first game back in the stadium, then a great win for Chelsea. They must be delighted. How excited is the bloke from Blues Fan TV? Okay, so you've just watched the game. We've won three-one. How was it for you? I wish this was in, was in summer, honest to God. Like, right, where's your coat? What's going on? I like I like wearing this. It's like fashion trendy. It's like the the the, the trend of the winter, isn't it? So you've gone fashion over yeah. being warm. Being warm, yeah, obviously. I mean, honest to God, like today, yeah, it feels kind of strange. Like, I wish we could we could go back like really sooner, maybe like summer. It kind of like uh, remind the vibe of the um, Euros and that. But I just, I'm just glad that we're back. We're back today. It's been a long time. It's been like 
nearly six months, nine months out uh, since our last home game against Everton. Are they all like that in London? <laughs> what's, I mean, what's wrong with them? I mean, he didn't deserve a ticket, did he? Tier two is wasted on these people. Get him in tier three. If you see the video, what he's wearing is a, he's gone double hoodie for some reason. And he looks a state, but for some reason he thinks it's fashion. I'm, I'm not quite sure what he's... Well, two, two hoodies has got to be quite warm, hasn't it? Who knows? Not, not it's soft Londoners, though. I mean, it's practical from a, a neck warmth perspective, isn't it? You've got two of those around the back of your neck. If you want to lean backwards, maybe have a little doze in your seat in, uh, in Stamford Bridge. It's got some cushioning there for you. It's interesting that he brings up the Euros as well, that, you know, he's just seen Chelsea beating Leeds United 3-1 at Stamford Bridge and it's the first time he's been in a football stadium for ages and the first thing you can think of is, actually, probably rather have been watching France versus Holland. That'd be a good game, wouldn't it? The Euros were on. Why am I here? Why am I sitting through my team winning? The against modern football stance makes more and more sense when you listen to these some of these fans, doesn't it? Like the Arsenal ones and that bloke. Uh, but he does think we're actually quite good. There's a reason why. There's a reason why they drew two against two top big six sides in the league, and they only lost once, which is like enormous record. Record, though, to be to be fair, I think Leeds probably the most underrated team in the Premier League that we have to we do not want to like face. He's really got that joie de vivre, hasn't he? That <laughs> that zest for life. He uh, he's enjoying himself. Is is this fella? I mean, Christ. it's faint praise coming from him. Because I'm not sure he's watched any of the game. <laughs> he's been asleep on his double hoodie, hasn't he? That's what he's been doing. He's been shivering, dreaming of the Euros. Rory then, let's hear from Rory, Blues Fans TV, who also thought we were great. They didn't offer anything that I expected. You know, we've been we've been hearing this stuff about Bielsa, that they're really expansive, that they're really aggressive, that they go for the victory all the time. Doesn't happen. They were, they were you know, they, they got their early goal and they tried to protect it. Um, but it could have easily ended up five or six, I thought. I thought we were good. Well, we didn't try to protect it, did we? No, that's a lie. You idiot. It was not a lie, it's just wrong. I don't think he's willfully misrepresenting. He's just, his eyes didn't communicate to his brain what was happening. His mouth is talking rubbish. Yeah, he's assuming that's what would have happened with us taking an early lead, but then, yeah, has ignored the actual evidence in front of him. We weren't far off from another goal. Well, I mean, all our efforts ended up being offside, which was one of the frustrating aspects of the of the game but if the offside rule didn't exist we would have been you know four or five nil up before half time another injustice if you're a fan of old school Eurovision which was always a treat do you remember when they would say hello Croatia this is London calling hello London yes <laughs> oh sorry we're talking we're to- yeah have you yes making a name joke and then give us the points from the Croatian bloody jury right well we've had a bit of that with more uh, Blues fan TV uh, what's this guy's name uh, Nippon and he's making jokes but the delay is so great <laughs> that there's a real awkwardness what? to it uh, uh, s- sorry go on Nippon I mean like it was written in the stars like he would come back prove in his own head that we were wrong to sell him but you know, no, you know we weren't. Loki, we weren't. He, he slotted nicely into Tiago Silva's pocket as the second half kept going. Exactly, and and I love the way how Reese James just bullied him off the ball. I but mean, yeah. oh god, <laughs> talking about Bamford there, as you would, as you probably guessed. Was there ever any question about whether they were right or wrong to selling? I mean, I'm looking. I can't remember when. Bamford, so 2012, eight years ago, he would have been 
19. So that's when you, he may have broken into Chelsea's first team. He would have had to get past Fernando Torres, Didier Drogba, Romelu Lukaku, Solomon Kalou and Daniel Sturridge. I mean, I would probably say under those circumstances, probably right to move Patrick Bamford on. They kept him for a long time, loaning him here and there. But I don't think it's particularly, I mean, Bamford, Drogba, who we're going to pick for this this Saturday's game, I'm not sure. And he came through the same system as Mo Salah as well. So he may have had to compete with Mo Salah for that starting spot had they retained them both. I'm saying they had options <laughs> and they didn't seem to be much. I mean, it was quite nice that it was Bamford who, who scored the goal and he got the opportunity to promote his little drinks brand or whatever it is he does with his goal celebration. And that meant that there was no question of him kind of going full Pablo Hernandez bra out in front of everybody. Um, but yeah, I don't think there was any but more massive... But Moscow, Moscow, him scoring goals, is it sustainable? Yeah, I mean, he keeps scoring them. I mean, that's another one. How many, you said before we played 11 games, he scored eight? Yeah, but is it sustainable? I don't think so. He's going to score 38 goals this season. More than Ian Rush ever dreamed of. Yeah, the awkward position of having... And he'll to... grow a moustache. The awkward position of having to agree with Steve Nicholl this week. It's an absolute carbon copy of what happened to Andy Robertson last week. You know, he goes to kick the ball, doesn't get any of it. The, the opposition, provided this time, nicks in front and gets kicked. But he doesn't go down, he stays on his feet and, and he actually ends up, and Leeds end up getting punished by it. So, yeah, if he goes down, then right. it's a penalty kick all day long. Ian Pavada, VAR. Not Pav- sustainable, is it? Pavida, Pavuda, whoever it is. So, Steve, well done. Got something right at last. Stopped clocking all that. Give, still give the credit to What's-A-Face who got him out of the lake so he can come and make these correct points. But yeah, we, haven't, I don't, we have a tendency not to bang on about injustices against our team. I suppose that's one of the things that makes us not Arsenal fans TV. But maybe we should start. <laughs> Let's be outraged about this. It's a conspiracy. Varsnal. Did you come up with a Leeds version the other week? I can't remember. Oh, it might, I think it might have been Ole Gunnar Solskvar I came oh, up with. Oh, it's a scum one. There's yeah. got to be one for Leeds. Well, we'll benefit from it, maybe. Ian Pavada? Pav- well, he wasn't Pavada, was he? That was the thing. He was non-Pavada. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it needs work, doesn't it? But yeah, he did get kicked. And if he'd gone down, the ref would have probably given it. Obviously, I would have looked at it and then given it. But he didn't. But as I said on Saturday, it shouldn't need him to go down. The fact that he got kicked, that's the penalty. It's not he dived. That's not when you give the penalty. It's for what the other player does. You give it against the defender, not for the attacker. Wankers. Now, this bloke, angry rant man, already from the name. This is what we need. Well, already from the name, you know what's coming. Angry rant man. I'm not sure you do know what's coming completely. No, you don't. It took me me by surprise. Well, I, I saw this in the wake of this game and I felt like I'd been smashed about the head or something like that. It felt like I'd been assaulted in the ears. As well, I think this guy started up his his shtick when Chelsea were going through a bad patch, probably. This game sent them top of the league. So 1982. You, <laughs> so you'd think... <laughs> on YouTube, yeah. it's back in 82. Like Pat a, Nevin's rubbish! <laughs> like a Chelsea, re, a modern Chelsea fan bad patch, you know, where they were fourth or something. I'm sick of seeing those cars behind the goal. <laughs> <laughs> What's happened to me scoreboard, etc.? Uh, but now the top of the league, so he's, he's not really got anything to be angry about, but it's kind of his thing now, so he's just going to stick with it. Well, if you are going to call yourself angry rant man, at least he's consistent. So, Mr. Tesla, BSLR, what the fuck is your name? What have you achieved? 
by uh, spying on the opposition and cheating on the opposition. What have you achieved? You have achieved only 3-1. I'm not slapping you have achieved, that's it. You have achieved only slapping, that's it. Nothing you could pluck, nothing you could pluck. And I'm assuring you, I'm assuring you next season, Calvin Phillips is going to a top Premier League side. We Chelsea Football Club, we'll only buy your Calvin Phillips. I'm guaranteeing you, I'm guaranteeing you. Nobody will stay at your club. The city of Leeds is only fit for smoking weeds. That's it. City of Leeds is only fit for smoking weeds. That's it. And Leeds is going to get destroyed. Destroyed. We destroyed them. We destroyed them. And we are the top of the table. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Lampard proved everybody correct. Lampard proved everybody correct. And they are saying that Leeds United runs uh, all around the page. They say that they run a lot. They create pressure and everything. Chelsea today, Chelsea today ran six kilometers more than uh, Leeds United. Six kilometers more. We outran them, outpaced them, dominated them, thrashed them, fucked them, everything we have done. So there you go. Quite a lot in there. I quite enjoyed it. He's <laughs> got a good, um, a good rhythm and I quite enjoyed um, a description of our playing style as I can't put it any better than that. And another slogan for the Leeds Tourist Board as well. The city of Leeds is only fit for smoking weeds. Works for me. Does he mean weed? Yes, I think he's talking about drugs. Because weeds is a different thing, isn't it? You don't say, I'm just going to go smoke some weeds. Yeah, but if you want it to rhyme, yeah, that's what you have to do. So he's, Could have he's thought of something making allowances. To say. What drugs rhyme with Leeds apart from, I mean, these maybe Go and tell him about LSD and two E's and then mm. maybe you can, you can have another go at it. But I'm off to skin up some dandelion and burdock in the meantime. You want to read about corners, don't you? Corners is the thing you want to read about. Good job. There's an interview with the guy who played in the first Newell's youth team that Bielsa ever coached on The Athletic, as well as the corners piece. It's the corners piece that everybody wanted that Phil Hay has finally written. But we have we have an issue with corners, don't we? Is it a Matt Heath interview? <laughs> it could well be. Is that the last time we scored from one? I believe so, yes. Yeah, thought so. If you want to uh, check out Phil's coverage of Leeds United on The Athletic, there's loads of football and sports coverage from around the globe. You can get signed up at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Pleased to say we're joined now on the podcast by Maz and Mick from Marching Out Together. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Yeah, fine, fine. Just recovering a bit from the loss at the weekend, but otherwise okay. Yeah, similar to Mick. Not particularly great result on the, the weekend, but we go again. We're speaking to Mick just off air before and he referenced it being a 2-1 defeat. So I'm glad to see that you're not counting the third goal either, Mick, because we're not. No, it was, yeah, too far gone by then. So talk to us about about Rainbow Laces because that's all swinging into action. What is Rainbow Laces, first of all? Yeah, so Rainbow Laces, it's a Stonewall initiative. So Stonewall's been for a very long time the major campaigning group in the UK around LGBT issues. And a few years ago, they recognised the importance of football and more broadly sport as, as a key area for really promoting positive messages. And so the idea of Rainbow Laces is to have a, a set day or game, really, that really focuses on highlighting LGBT issues and, and really promotes the idea of clubs being at the forefront of challenging discrimination and, and pushing for good practice in this area. And the Rainbow Laces game is quite a critical thing through the season. Yeah, I think I think in terms of the Rainbow Laces week, it gives us an opportunity to promote equality, LGBT plus issues. All the clubs follow a certain structure. You know, every club does it slightly differently, but it gives us the chance, particularly as marching out together, 
to raise some of these issues, the club get on board. So it's fantastic for us to have that that week. And the cynics around this, they will always turn around and say, oh, it's virtue signaling because we've seen all the, the noise around, like, you know, taking the knee and stuff like that. Why is it important that, that we highlight LGBT issues? I think for me it's important because, you know, we still don't have an out gay footballer. So these issues need to be raised and need to be raised in the right way. So in terms of rainbow laces, there's often a lot of discussion about wording and what you say in and around the ground. You don't know when you're making a comment, whether it be that's so gay or get up and, you know, ending that in a a slur and an expletive. You don't know that the person two rows in front of you, what they're going through, they might be struggling with their sexuality. So rainbow laces gives us that opportunity to explore these issues and hopefully to promote just inclusivity and being a bit more aware of, of your language in particular at football. Yeah, and obviously that's something we try and do through marching out together through the entire season, you know, in fact, through the whole year. But having that really strong focus just does raise the profile of it. So, you know, seeing stuff around the ground, seeing stuff on the advert boards, the armbands, you know, Sky doing a really good piece on it. I think it just gives that strong focus and then we can carry on having that debate through the rest of the year. I mean, what I touched on there, have you found there's been more resistance recently with, as we say, the current state of the world that people seem a bit less resistant to um, promoting causes or drawing attention to things or trying to highlight certain issues? No, I don't think that is the case, actually. I mean, obviously, you get a bit of a backlash. and you know, You've seen what's happened with some of the Black Lives Matter, not just at Millwall, but Tory MPs doing a bit of a backlash about it as well. But to some extent, that's inevitable. What you have to look at is the much bigger picture and the journey and how far we've gone along that. And, of course, Leeds United is one of the better examples about that. In matching out together has been going like three years and yet the work we've done with the club has been fantastic. And, you know, how they're now developing as a premiership club, I think they're taking it to the next level, that much stronger focus, not just on the sort of rainbow laces and the LGBT issues, but on things like Black Lives Matter, support for disabled fans, making sure that the women's team is much more supported and promoted. That's just part of a longer journey. And within that, you will have pushback, as we've seen, you know, from when we've put notices on or when we've had the banner up on the ground or, you know, rainbow laces last year. But overall, I think the journey is a positive one and that's a really good thing to be involved in. I guess the pushback, to an extent, validates the fact that you're doing it in the first place, doesn't it? It shows that work still continues to be needed to raise awareness. But I have great hope, particularly based around the response that Robbie Rogers got when he came back to Leeds after his uh, very public coming out. I mean, that was good to see the reception that he got, a really positive one from Leeds fans. Yeah, it was great. And I'll be honest, you know, me and a few others from matching out together when Robbie came on the pitch, there was a bit of nervousness, but actually as he walked around, it was pretty universal, the, the clapping that he got. And I think that was really good. And I thought it was really positive when you were discussing it, you know, in the Square Ball podcast last week, that that was a real positive example of, of the journey Leeds has been on. And again, not just on this issue, but about its place in in the city. And I think that's really key. So, yeah, we are positive. You still have issues. You know, you had all the grief this week over Jamie Vardy, you know, kicking over the corner flag, which, you know, our view is that was clearly accidental. It's nothing to do with having a rainbow flag. But that did open the gate for a few people to make homophobic comments. And then, you know, we have the pushback against that. But it's all part of that positive journey. And... Um, and I don't know if you heard the sort of 
Graham Souness interview on Sky where he was talking about going to Pride in Brighton and how positive that had been for him. So, yeah, on the whole, it's really good. But part of our role is to watch out for that pushback. It is important that no players felt able to come out. It is important that people still get grief at ground. It is important that you still get really negative comments on Twitter and other social media. And part of our role is to challenge that, as well as the really positive work that we're doing with the club. I think one of the positives that comes from some of that backlash on Twitter is that a lot of the times it's it's very much our allies that stick up for us. It, it doesn't necessarily need to be a response from marching out together. A lot of the time, straight allies, people that are just fans of the club, will pull up other fans and say, that's not acceptable. You know, we get tagged in a lot of stuff that will be defending us. And I think that's more powerful sometimes than marching out together, maybe responding to every comment. We don't need to because a lot of the time it's done for us. And that's more powerful than anything we can put out. Well, it's good work that you're doing. And if people want to keep tabs on what you're doing or follow you on socials, where can they get more information? Well, we're on all the platforms. It's marching out together. So whether that's Twitter, we've got Facebook page, whether it's Insta, uh, we've got a good website with information on it. You can just Google marching out together. That's the key phase. And if you look for that, you'll find us. Maz, Mick, thank you very much. Brilliant. Cheers. Do you like our big shiny floodlights then? We've got some new floodlights. They're very bright. They're really bright, aren't they? Like I knew they were bright because that's why they put them up. Mm. But they're really bright when you see them switched on. I like them. Have you seen them in person or just the photographs? Uh, not switched on. I've seen them. I've seen them turned off. I, I sort of quite like them. I know. I'm aware they're a bit strange looking, and it adds to the whole vibe of Ellen Road being a thrown together Meccano set. But I quite like it. I like how they're bowing to Bielsa. They're just genuflecting just enough. They're fine. They, they brighten up the pitch. Hopefully they'll make the Premier League happy. They're diamond shaped. That's nice. And they may not be as, as tall as... I mean, if people miss the old uh, tallest floodlights in, in Europe, there's the one next to the Neville Hill sidings, isn't it, where the railway works are when you go under the, the bridge. It's absolutely huge. So if you miss that kind of infrastructure, it doesn't have the football ground next to it, although I think there is one nearby, you can kind of piece the things together and then down at Elland Road, you'll be able to see the pitch and hopefully Helder Costa can find Pat Bamford and they won't be wandering around dazzled. If Pat Bamford starts our next home game wearing sun specs, maybe the uh, the lumen levels will be found to be too high, but I reckon they've probably taken that into account before putting them up. With the angle of them, it does feel a little bit like if you're in the lower part of the east stand you, you might need to wear no a chance. you might need to wear a cap well you know, you know in at the start of the season that low sun that low sun oh. yeah when it gets in your eyes in the east stand and then in winter as well you're plagued by it because the sun goes down a little bit earlier doesn't it so you know what lights are don't you artificial suns yeah that's what they call them and there's lots of them up a bloody great big pylon and it's going to be right <laughs> up in your grill when you're in there um if you want to hear the tale of the floodlights which we Got from Angus Kinnear, it's over on the Extra Ball is the whole episode that we had where we caught up with the League United CEO. And he mentioned in our chat with him that the decision to make them diamond-shaped was deliberate after a fan request, although the original design had them squared, didn't it? And they, at a small cost, I believe. The whole thing's one and a half million quid for the floodlights, uh, so 750 grand a piece in there, and some of that cost was changing the shape of them late on. That's worth doing, though, isn't it? Something a bit different. It will be interesting when Burnley come over for their match and they'll start mooing at them because they can't understand why it's it's bright during the uh, the dark days of winter. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, we also uh, got more information from Angus in our chat with him, which we're going to be rolling out across the normal square ball feed in uh, in pieces across the coming week or two. Uh, the season tickets are going to be rolled over for next year. So, for example, if you go to one game this season, then that game will be what you pay for next year. But the good news was that Angus mentioned uh, there is a, a price freeze, isn't there? Tenth year on the bounce, they were saying, which is good. It is good. And I'm glad the club clarified the fact they weren't giving everything to members and nothing to season ticket holders, which was the way some people interpreted it to start with. Because mm. that's what it said. <laughs> yeah, the flip side of it is um, that members were like, honestly, well, we've still paid 50 quid for some stuff. So what, what are they getting? Are they getting another bottle opener and a voucher? I don't know. They got a, there's like a little laptop bag and something else that's kind of, it might be a wallet. Can't remember. It's not as good as the bottle opener. That's a, a little bit of a, a disappointment for, for members. Does the season ticket roll over? If you go to a game, then that value of the game, you know, you have to pay for that on your, your season ticket next year. If you shriek like a seagull through it, is there a, a surcharge then as well? Have they factored that in? Or I suppose it was before the Chelsea match that you... The Chelsea charge, to. as it's known. Is that what it's known as? It is now. Oh, the ch- I thought you meant charge as in like a, a, a group of... Like the light brigade. Goals no. going no. over the... <laughs> Over the crest of a wave, shrieking, but um, no, yeah, surcharge. Because yeah, I think those those Chelsea fans need to be either banned or just have all their money taken off them and maybe ostracised from society. I know we've gone past the uh, the Chelsea game now into a different section, but we didn't mention about that the shrieking and the origin of it was apparently due to some noise that he made either when he was on the receiving end of a tackle or something. Llorente, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he, he apparently he shrieked, but so fucking what? I was Shut gonna, your mouths. I was going to say there's like you know. There's flogging a joke and then there's flogging a joke, but then, you know, here we are 10 years later, <laughs> churning out the same old shit. So, uh, fair enough, Chelsea fans. Fair enough. No, um, not fair enough. <laughs> Nothing is fair in Chelsea. Fuck them. We didn't see Pablo at Chelsea. Starting to get worried about Pablo yet? A little bit. I wasn't. And then his his wife did the super healthy Hearts football tweet. And you thought, oh, that's a bit weird. Unless she's playing football and he's super healthy and just wants to tell us. I just drunk a, a good smoothie. You never know. But yeah, it's starting to feel a little bit worrying. Mm, and there are little undercurrents and, and, and rumours of him going to Huddersfield in January. I just, this can't be the end. I mean, I know Bielsa tends to, he tends to pick a side and kind of stick with it. And unless they do anything wrong, then he'll just leave it unchanged, won't he? But it can't end like this. I mean, I watched the, the back end of the documentary again last night just because I wanted to feel happy again. And I went in, my point of entry is always Pablo at Swansea. And I just don't want somebody who provided us with that moment to be quietly ushered out the door to bloody Huddersfield in January. That's wrong. We'll be dragging him out of the Duck and Drake, pissed at lunchtime again, where his, uh, his mural is up the side of um, of that very good pub. I mean, it's up to Pablo Hernandez, really, isn't it? I mean, whether he was fit or not, was he going to be playing at Chelsea? Probably not. Would he be brought on? No, you'd probably bring on Rodrigo. His job this season, if he continues in it, was always going to involve playing bits here and there, being substituted, coming on as a substitute, not playing, looking after young players, getting everybody used to a a higher level because he is 60 years old and he's got to take that into account. So the sulking after being substituted against Leicester, there's the one thing about, you know, kicking a water bottle over. But if he's going to do that every time, or if that's an indication of sort of where his his head is is at about his his job, then he's got a, he needs to have a rethink and and get used to not playing and not be tweeting about his health. Because 
I don't know when the last update was on on what his um, his injury status was, whether it was directly before the game. I'm not sure if he was actually even mentioned whether he was fit or not. He's just not in the squad because you can only have a certain number of players in the squad. And if Rodrigo's on the bench, do you also need Pablo Hernandez on the bench? Not sure you need both of them for a game. So in those circumstances, he needs to be just sitting, watching, cheering on the lads and um, supporting his, not supporting in a, a mascot scarf waving way, but supporting in a, you are part of this organisation and your job is to do X and Y way. Hmm. Or he can fuck off the others. I mean, some good points, but I still don't know what to think. I don't know what my definitive opinion is. Maybe we should have the expert opinion of someone like, I don't know, let's say Danny Mills to chip in and offer his opinion so I can form a definitive opinion myself. Yeah, he was speaking to someone. It's normally Football Insider, isn't it, who he speaks to, I think. They're all the same. Offering a bland opinion anyway. Times coping them a little bit last season. There were times when he was out injured for periods. And when he came back, it was off the bench. That's just how it is. You have to deal with that accordingly. As you get to that age, it does get harder and harder in those situations. Is he trying to say the process of ageing makes things physically more difficult? It's a very literal description. Because I remember when my nan needed a hip replacement. So what he's saying is absolutely accurate. Mm. Well, it's true. Maybe it would be easier for Pablo if you could get a move to another club, but still have his wages paid by the old one because they're excessive. That worked for Danny Mills for a while, didn't it? Didn't matter about his aging process because he had all Leeds United money mm. even as he was playing for Middlesbrough and Manchester City didn't work for my nan though they didn't pay her anything extra sad times hey one good thing about uh, our chat with Angus was that he didn't say for sure for definite that we're never signing Rodrigo de Paul did he he didn't he didn't and I I conferred from his body language that we definitely are I like to think so it's hard to express how, what his eyes were doing but it had definite we are definitely signing Rodrigo de Paul Vibes think, to it. I think he um he was doing RDP uh, in Morse code with his eyelids, wasn't he? Blinking. That's what he was doing. That's what I took from it. Yeah, yeah. So we can confirm that's happening. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. More London opposition on Friday. Not in London. That's a good thing for a start. We've got the hammers this time. David Moyes. We laugh at David Moyes, but they're actually doing all right. Mind you, they're only three points in front of us. We'll go up level with them if we beat them. So not that good, are they? I mean, the table's all compacted, isn't it? In the middle, there's there's nothing between anyone. But I thought West Ham might be doing worse than they are. And it's not to say I wanted them to. I don't have nothing particularly against West Ham. But I did think it was quite funny that they were struggling in that shit new stadium. Yeah, my beef with West Ham is actually more directed towards the stadium and their owners than the actual club itself, because it's a fine traditional club. The Dildo Brothers. Yep. Not forgetting the Dildo Sister who's there as well. I don't think she's directly got her hands on the Dildo Empire, but <laughs> she's in amongst that cabal of people who run that club. Got a finger in the flashlight or something. Well, that's grim, isn't it? <laughs> Crikey. Yeah, it's hard to sort of pin down West Ham as to whether they're any good or not, because they've, they've lost to some really bad teams like Arsenal and Newcastle. They lost a 2-0 at home to Newcastle, so they can certainly be got at. That's one thing we can say. Yeah, David Moyes seems to be doing what he never did at Scum, which is getting decent performances out of a very mundane squad. Um, I mean, they are just boring in almost every respect. The only um, hint of excitement about them really is Robert Snodgrass, and he's not playing him. So my um, my interest in this game decreased proportionally to uh, Robert Snodgrass's non-involvement. I don't care about Jared Bowen. Get Snoddy on the pitch. Not happy to see Ben Rama again. He might be, well, he's been on the bench mainly, but old championship days, it's like it's like going back in time. It's just, I mean, I don't really understand West Ham because Declan Rice is supposed to be good, isn't he? And he plays for England. But West Ham aren't very good, so why does he play for them? All your England players are supposed to play for the best teams, like Leeds. West Ham won the World Cup once. Yeah, it was a long time ago, wasn't it? I think they're still living off that glory though, aren't they? The West Ham way, innit? No, they binned it all when they left Upton Park. That big mural of uh, of Bobby Moore skipped it. It's basically just the glorified shopping centre. We're playing against the shopping centre here, aren't we? I mean, they don't overlook the athletic stadium they're playing. It is a nice athletic stadium. Should we maybe lay out some hurdles for them to come out of the dressing room too, just to so they feel at home? Well, one of their strengths, according to our friends at whoscored.com, is... Is it jumping over obstacles? No, it's attacking down the wings, which I think is because they do use the running tracks but that they're tempted out to those uh, Mind you, did you see the, the VAR error against Man United? They actually do use the running track. They kick the ball out over the running track, and then the referee says, play on. Did you see that? I didn't, actually. It, it sort of swung, the ball swung out like a boomerang, and I think the liner missed it because the liner was busy running up the line, and the ball was going over his head, and it swung about 15 feet out. Not good. Not good. Did VAR even correct it? I don't know. I don't know precisely because I disengaged from football because we lost the Chelsea. So I didn't watch match of the day or match of the day two. I went off in my, uh, I'm a grown man and I went off in a football sulk. Well, we still had to watch, be recording the bloody match ball because we were kicking off at midnight on Saturday night or something stupid. So it's that's gonna why be, I didn't watch it this week. It's going to be the same on Friday, isn't it? But at least it's Friday and not Saturday night. I'm going to be missing uh, Frasier on Channel 4. I assume that's still on on a Friday night. Probably, yeah. but And we can be at home for, for Strictly on Saturday, which is great news. All right, then let's try and pick something interesting out of this game. Phillips versus Rice in midfield. You asked. No, Calvin Phillips is better, isn't he? Uh, yes. Great. Glad uh, we've sorted that one. <laughs> I mean, they've got a big striker. That worries me slightly. 
because for a, more than a decade now we've not been able to play against big strikers all that well. So do, might... do, do, they, do they launch at his head? I've no idea how they play. Well, yes, long balls are mentioned in West Ham's style of play as well as attacking through the middle and attempting crosses and taking a lot of shots. I know if David Moyes, he did, uh, he's one of those who kind of studied abroad, didn't he, and kind of has gone to try and learn the, the world's game and uh, has rejected it all and just decided Neil Warnock right all along. You say he's studied abroad. Do you remember his press conference in Spain where he said he spoke Spanish and he said, I've seen them train uno, dos times. <laughs> Brilliant. As good as Steve McLaren's Dutch accent. <laughs> there are two Spanish words in there. So it was better than Steve who did it all on the accent. How many? One or two? <laughs> uno or dos? It just feels like this is one of those games where we could do with a win, really, couldn't we? We've only won one in five. Should we just beat them? Yeah, they're definitely there to be beaten. I mean, we're in the Premier League now. The thing about West Ham is you could either play them in the Premier League or in the second division. It's all pretty much the same. They just always seem to be there. I'm surprised they didn't come down while we were um, in the championship just to kind of keep keep things up. But they'll always be around. It's kind of difficult to avoid them for any prolonged length of time. So beating them, probably the easiest way. And there's nothing really... I mean, what have they got? Yeah, Jared Bowen's their best player. He came from Hull. Cresswell, uh, did they sign him from Norwich or something like that? Or something ridiculous? I don't I presume know. that's Richard Cresswell. It's not Charlie, who is obviously better than any of them. And signing, what's his face, Ben Rama, who we didn't want. It's all kind of just, they're a championship team in the Premier League, is I think what I'm what I'm coming around to. And as such, we should be beating them. I, I wasn't surprised by us not being able to beat £500 million Chelsea, but even if West Ham had paid £500 million for a group of players, I'd still be like, yeah, it's beaten. I think we should beat them. Who's Antonio and what's wrong with him? Mikel Antonio. He's there. Well, he was a winger and a right back and then he was a striker. He was good though and he's not playing because he's fully cocked. So that's good. So, But yeah, I mean, the replacement is Sebastian Haller, who's the guy they paid £40 million for. So presumably he's all right if they paid £40 million for him. Well, he's only one letter better than Gunnar Haller. True. And it is an indication of how much talent Sam Byram had at right back for them, but they've had to spend £40 million to replace him since he was uh, injured and moved on. So testament the, to... The, the irreplaceable one many are calling him in uh, in that shopping centre. Testament to little Sam. I've called a victory for Leeds in just about every game in the last five and we've only won one, but I'm, I'm going to say we're going to win this. That's another thing Frank Lampard was wrong about. He said they'd beaten a team in form. We weren't in form. Fucking rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll lose this one just to prove it oh no we'll win this one but uh, David Moyes once swung around going oh well you know they were great at the weekend so I think we've done well to get away with a 5-0 defeat here at Elland Road he'll be uh, sobbing he'll be like no I mean Chelsea hammered them and we thought we would pick up the pieces and do it as well but we can't because we're West Ham and we are shit their weaknesses defending against long shots we don't do loads of those but we do do uh, through ball attacks and one of their very weaknesses is defending against through ball attacks so should we do some of those? Rafinha and Rodrigo both quite like a long shot, don't they? Play click. both of them. Yep. Top bins only for click. Right then. Uh, win for Leeds then on Friday. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's all bollocks, isn't it? The whole thing, the whole shooting match. Bloody Premier League. We have to be in it because it's the top flight in England, but it's full of shit, isn't it? The whole thing. The whole operation needs shutting down, starting again. Until then, we will do our best to fix the proposition that is on the table. What is wrong with the Premier League? We are here. We're back to fix it, to make it better. What is it this week? I mean, we've covered it a bit with Chelsea, West Ham, Arsenal. Should 
make at this point it clear that Leeds fans will be exempt from this. They're allowed to stay in the city if they want, but London, we don't need it, do we really, in football? What's it contributing anymore? Any Leeds fans who want to leave and move back to Yorkshire. We'll give them safe passage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll close the M1 to, uh, to all but essential traffic. And get you all back up here. Where are we setting up the checkpoint? We're going to say what Woodall services neck of the woods. Yeah, they have to. Uh, so Sheffield can deal with them if if we just turn everyone back. Yeah, you, you have to go and watch um, football at Hillsborough and Bramwell Lane. That's as close as you're allowed. Will be uh, some kind of um, citizenship test. London is what's wrong with the Premier League. We haven't won there for three years. Yeah, Kimar Roof scored a hat-trick the last time we won there and Felix Viedvald was in net. That's how long ago it was. And we had to, it felt like we played there all the time in the Championship, but there were five out of 24 teams there last season and now all of a sudden there are six out of 20 in the Premier League. I think it's because we don't win there. That's why it feels like there's a lot of it. So um, that's why it's going to be good when we get rid of it. There is a lot wrong with London, it has to be said. We heard the Chelsea fans squealing at the weekend. We've heard Arsenal fan TV do we really want to be going to the Olympic Stadium? Sorry, the shopping centre for football. I mean, you've been there for a concert, Michael, haven't you? It wasn't a football match. I mean, Guns N' Roses was absolutely fine there. It seemed like the right sort of thing to be watching. But no, not a football match. And the other ones, Palace and, well, Palace we've covered isn't even necessarily London because it's so far away. But them and Fulham, they could be in the championship, couldn't they? Fulham should either be relegated or merge with Chelsea. They don't need two football teams there. And Fulham, I don't know if you've seen, they've stolen a bit of the River Thames to build their new stand, which I think is unacceptable. I mean, you see Patrick Bamford doing his little Zed Lightning thing, which is something to do with saving the planet. Have that, a word with Fulham. How have they done that? They've used for the... Uh, oh, Mother Thames! The, uh, <laughs> the, the foundations are made out of the bones of swans. <laughs> yeah, they have the, they've uh, reclaimed part of the, the River Thames to build their stand. They've built a nice promenade, a walkway for the local residents to to trot past. But have you seen the corners of their new stands have flats in, they have apartments? Push that into the river. That can be the first step of, of getting rid of, of London teams. To Just... be honest, I think Mother Nature will probably eventually take care of that herself, won't she? It'll, it'll topple in there one day. The only problem with getting rid of all the Cockneys is we need to probably play some other teams. And when I was looking at other teams I might let in there, they all hate us, which is a bit of a problem. Should we just have a, a smaller division? No, that would be fun. I'd be happy. I mean, we mentioned the two Sheffield clubs there. I'd be happy if they could both be in the Premier League. Um, neither of them will be next season, but they're welcome to come and hate us and it'll be fun. And at least, you know, they'll hate us in a good Northern accent. I can, I can handle Sean Bean shouting about how much he hates Leeds United or, or you know, yelling at Diego Llorente because at least it's a, you know, it's a local accent. It's something I can, I can tolerate. Whereas... Hearing the criticism of a of a, a Cockney Chelsea fan and having Frank Lampard whining on after a game, it just it doesn't. Nobody's mentioned Tottenham yet either. Who are I mean? Well, they're, they're the elephant in the room here because they're doing quite well. Well, they're also the, the the Cockneys to end all Cockneys. Yeah, and they've got that fancy stadium. It's too fancy. It is too fancy, and they've got Mourinho, and it, I know they're doing well for now, but it won't last, will it? It'll be falling out with people soon. They'll be wanting to throw that stadium away soon. They'll give it to the NFL, and they can go ground sharing a new shithole with West Ham or something. So just out of curiosity then, how do we fix this problem? Well, the London teams go out. Who are we letting in? Well, yeah, but we'll have both Sheffields in. So we'll re-promote Sheffield United at the end of this season because they are going down. Like they used to do in the old days when you had to be elected to the top division. We'll, we'll do that and it will be, we'll make it very clear that we are electing them. So it's through our good grace that they're being allowed back in. Yeah. yeah. We should decide who we want to play. I think that's fair. Do we let Forrest and Derby in for a bit of Brian Clough-Neal? 
Yeah, and they can they have to stop having that silly Brian Clough trophy thing. We'll just take that and bin it, and they can carry on just playing each other normally, like normal people. I feel like Sunderland have done their time in League One as well. Let them out. We see Sunderland once paraded a coffin with our RIP Leeds United on it around their pitch. So we should have them. It had an apostrophe on Leeds as well, didn't it? We should have them in the in our Premier League, but with instructions that they're not allowed to have a team capable of beating us. They they do that all the time, so it's fine. Yeah, I think it, they'll they'll follow it quite easily. They can they can they can have Marco Gabbiadini. They can have him now. I assume he's still alive. There is a question mark about our traditional sort of Premier League leanings, which is that, you know, Oldham, you might class as being a top division side, which is a little bit awkward. But then you've also got issues about Luton and how close are we prepared to let them in? Because that's that's close enough. I mean, they claim their airports in London, don't they? Which it is not. Maybe we'll, well, I guess they were both famous for having shit pitches in their own way. Maybe we'll let Luton in with a plastic pitch and let Oldham in with a ploughed pitch, just to throw a bit of a, a random 90s element into it. Our eternal gratitude goes to Levi Solicitors for their continued support on the podcast. 85 years of legal excellence behind them. And they are a Leeds company you can get behind too because it helps us out a little bit. And there's the 10% discount. Don't forget about that. Services for you and for your business. You can get a full list of those and contact details at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Let's close this one out then with Heroes and Villains. The Ken Bates Villainy Award comes first. And although we've ruled out Ken Bates as a nominee because we've completely run out of ideas. Of course, we've now hit a point where all the ideas come flowing back because it was his birthday this last week. 89 years old, Kenneth. <sighs> last one. <laughs> like uh, Neil Warnock. One last challenge. I mean, one of them will be. It will, won't it? Um, and we'll, we'll deal with that when it comes. The balloons hopefully won't have perished. That's dark. Who else gets a nomination this week? I don't even know why, but Frank Lampard. Just cause. Yeah. He has caused us the most misery this week in a roundabout way, even though none of that victory was his responsibility. His chirpiness after the game where he had this, uh, his all, oh, in call, uh, I'll go home and have a uh, small, small glass of wine, maybe a large glass of wine. It's, it was like Neil Warnock without the foot fetish is what he seems to be building himself up into. If he didn't go home every night and dress up in his Chelsea kit as Frank Lampard, he would be doing the Neil Warnock thing of being cosplaying as a referee when he gets home. He's morphing into a future Warnock and I hope his career ends up the same where he's he's wandering from bleak club to bleak club just trotting out the same old tropes. Oh, Jody's coming. He's got some fresh ideas. The, the players, they, they want to hear it from some uh, experienced pros like us that have done it at the top level. I think I really think Scarborough are a club that are, are going on the up and up and I, I, anybody in Scarborough, yeah, I would yeah, not wish... The accent gets more bizarre by the week. I would not wish... <laughs> Um, Frank Lampard upon you. You make a good point there. He is totally a full kit wanker, isn't he? And I bet, I bet wherever it is that he lives, sorry, it's probably going to be sorry, isn't it? He's got a full size indoor covered pitch at his house and only he's allowed to go and play on it with his kids, maybe. And he, but he smashes the ball past them when he's wearing his full kit and he's, cheers like he was still playing. Puts his poor wife in net. She plays um, the 14 year old goalkeeper and he plays Michael Owen. Dive, Christine, dive! Right, who else is uh, nominated? Bielsa. Lost a game and hates Pablo. Get him out. Not just lost one game, has he? Nope. This... How many have we lost this season? It's fucking loads, isn't it? We're the rubbish. S- the stats used to say he was the best Leeds manager ever or something. Now he's the worst. Although he did get named by ESPN as the sixth best manager in the world. All right, I can stay then. But of course, that's 
understanding that English managers were not allowed to be nominated for that. Of course, Chris Wilder still not. Didn't make it. Dean no, Smith. No, no, neither of them. No, no Frank Lampard on that list. No, which for me feels like a glaring omission. Uh, Although didn't uh, Steven Gerrard get into ESPN's or, no, it was actually UEFA's all-time greatest Champions League players, which is an absolute mystery. I mean, he, he did well in that final. I mean, Harry Kuehl did well in, in a final. No, he didn't. He was terrible. 20 minutes and went off. But yeah, strange. I don't think we can allow Bielsa in as a villain. It's just not right, is it? We can't do that to him. No, fair enough. But sort it out with Pablo. Let's all be friends again. I liked it when we were all friends at the end of last season. Millwall. Uh, we can't avoid that one. They can come in. They can be nominated. Just what a tiresome club they are. It's, it, do you know what? It's, I'm not even angry and I'm not even disappointed. It's just tiresome, the whole operation, isn't it? Well, to, to take on the point of one of Millwall's more erudite fans, it's not all of them, but the ones that managed to get the tickets for the, for the game and then decided that, uh, to be clear on it, if you are a white Millwall fan and you think that you can dictate to black people how they protest about racial inequality... That is why people are protesting about racial inequality is because people think that they can still make those decisions for them. And on the the whole taking the knee thing for the quick recap on how we got to this point with modern athletes kneeling, Colin Kaepernick of our very good friends, the San Francisco 49ers in 2016, started it by sitting down on a bench during the national anthems. That was his protest, staying on the, the sidelines. And a lot of white people said to him, Look, we're all against racism and we we really want to support the protest that you're making, but we think that's a little bit disrespectful and we don't like the way you're doing it. So in, in fair no, but in fairness, Moscow, since then they fixed racism. So what are you on <laughs> well, about? No, since then he went and spoke to a lot of people and came up with a way of doing it that people would be more able to get on, on board with. Kneeling, that would be more respectful and would be more acceptable to, to people who didn't like what he was doing before. And then that carried on for a few years and took on a different tone. In the summer when police officers kneeled on George Floyd's neck until he died after 10 minutes. And that's when other athletes said, well, we want to protest. What works? What's happening that that we can get on board with? Colin's been kneeling for years. People seem to be on board with that. We'll do that. And now we've come right back to full circle where where people are saying, really want to support your anti-racism campaign, but we don't really like your anti-racism campaign. And it would be better if you did an anti-racism campaign that we liked. And it's it's audacious, really, to think you can do that. Do one that's, do one that's a that. bit quieter. One that we don't have to see or hear about. I mean, this is... We're yeah. a bit bored of this, seems to be a lot of the argument. There's, um, and it's not, it's nobody's place to decide apart from people like Calvin Phillips and Tyler Roberts, who both put on Instagram that they were annoyed about what happened at um, Millwall and angry about what happened at Millwall. And they really are the people who have the experience of racial inequality that are trying to get their voices heard and the whole thing's become, it's been engineered into a distraction, which is something Tony Morrison always used to say, that the function and tactics involved in racism is to distract you from solving it. So we've had a weekend after Millwall of people saying, should they kneel? Should they stand? Should they do this? Should people do that? When nobody's actually talking about how to solve racial inequality anymore. And that's not the fault of the people kneeling. That's the fault of the people booing them and trying to take the conversation away from what's actually being attempted to achieve, which in the case of Calvin Phillips and Tyler Roberts and other Premier League athletes, I don't believe is 
trying to promote a Marxist ideology and overthrow capitalism. I well, think. I mean, are, are those Millwall fans not just offering some commentary on the method of socioeconomic analysis that uses a materialistic interpretation of historical development, better known as historical materialism to understand class relations and social conflict, as well as a, a dialectical perspective to view social transformation? It could be that. That's what it says on Wikipedia about Marxism. <laughs> Which is more than most of those Millwall fans will have, have read about it. Yeah, the, the idea that Raheem Sterling wants to give away all of his money seems unlikely to me. And why should he? I'm not suggesting he should, but um, I'm also not suggesting that that is part of the, the plan here. And it is, it is, as I said, it's the arrogance born of people's position in society that you think you can go to Raheem Sterling or Calvin Phillips and say, actually, I think if you if you look into what you're actually supporting with your protest, they know exactly what they are supporting and not supporting and why they are taking a knee and what they want to bring attention to. They don't need to be told or booed at so then, by Millwall fans. So then Marxism, take that. Um, is that all of our candidates then? Unless you can think of somebody worse than Millwall supporters then... <laughs> Who's been kicking Robin Cox's knees? We've not yet actually established, oh, have we? But Yeah, we're going to have to go through frame by frame. Two matches now. Um, is there any villainy involved with uh, Robin Price for saying to Bielsa, out oh, play him, fine. Robin Price? For trying to, for nicking half yeah. Robin Cox's name. <laughs> <laughs> What's he called? Rodney. Rodney Rod- Price. <laughs> right, I don't think we can give this to... Uh, Lampard because it validates him. We can't give it to Bielsa full stop. We can't give it to Millwall because again, it validates them. It doesn't validate them. Give it to them. They're horrible people and they've they've ruined fun for themselves. It's like that. I'd give it to that Chelsea fan who who went to the game without wearing a coat. You've had the opportunity to go to a match and you've spoilt it. So instead of cock's knees, we're giving it to a bunch of cock knees. Hey? Very good. Yeah, they're the worst around. Thanks. Andy Hughes Hero Award then. Kevin Sinfield right at the top of the list for raising it's closing in on two million quid now. He's passed it now, I think. Oh, has he? Yeah, so something before I think he's um I mean it's almost certainly by the time this is out anyway. He's not even yeah. doing marathons now, is he? <laughs> he's just lazy. He's just <laughs> standing around and people are still just giving him money. Seven in seven days is good. I mean, I've probably driven the equivalent of that over seven days before, and that's a long way, let me tell you. He's done an amazing thing there. And, you know, not forgetting the the cause that's underpinning this related to Rob Burrow and motor neuron disease, which claimed the life of Don Reeve, our greatest ever manager. So it, it's a cause. And Marius Seleucus. Of course, yeah, that we can we can get behind. So absolutely incredible work to do that. Who else? The Leeds United Supporters Trust and Adam Duffield for the brief spell when we can enjoy the Pablo Hernandez mural on the side of the Duck and Drake pub before we have to go and paint over it with uh, with somebody else. Maybe, we do, maybe just, you know, in a, a signal to our, our friends down the valley, we just paint some blue and white stripes on it. Paddy Power will be all over that mural if he goes to Huddersfield. And a nice hark back to one of our original Leeds United kits, which was uh, blue and white stripes for this very reason. Lovely. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be a fitting tribute to a great man. It, it is. Nice. is. <laughs> We're both, who wants to backtrack? It is a nice mural. We don't mean to laugh at it. It's great. And it does look great when the video I've seen of it on the, from the train coming into Leeds from the, from the north. That's nice as well. So as you come past it, you can imagine him sliding on his knees. Oh, yeah. That's a nice touch. Good stuff. Who else do we want to nominate? Melia. Did well again. Man of the match against Chelsea. Couple of hair-raising moments, though. Keeps it interesting. He doesn't care either, does he? That's a nice thing. Does not give a shit if he passes it to someone once. Just, he is, he'll just try it again. He is the honey badger of goalkeeping. And what about Calvin Phillips? Do you want to give him a nod for his performance against Chelsea in that through ball? Yeah, I think he's... It was another test for him against good quality opposition, and 
he is good enough. Over summer when there was talk of an England call-up, there were some people moaning that he'd not played in the Premier League Villa yet. Fans. So, <laughs> yes, Villa fans. Or some West Ham fans as well, actually, because of Declan Rice and they don't like the competition or something. Getting upset that he'd not played in the Premier League and he wasn't good enough, but, but he is. So, shut up. We could even it up by relegating West Ham and seeing if Declan Rice still gets in the England team if they want to uh, test it. I think his first half performance against Chelsea has gone a little bit under the radar because of how good Chelsea became in the second half. It was kind of the reverse of the Manchester City match when he couldn't really figure out how to play against uh, Kevin De Bruyne until he, he solved it with Click's help. And this was um, the other way around where he started really strongly and then I think Kante figured him out and, and Chelsea managed to stop him. But in the first half, he was absolutely sensational for a while and it, it meant Chelsea had to do something about him, which they did. And that's going to happen because, as we said before, Kante is just a, an, an incredible player. But the more games he plays like that, the better he will become. That reminds me, a retrospective villainy nomination for Angus Kinnear, because when he came in here and we had a chat with him for the extra ball, he called Calvin Phillips Kevin Phillips inadvertently, which, to be fair, to save his blushes so he doesn't get embarrassed, I edited it, edited it out of the um, of the show. So thank God that'll never come to light and he'll never be embarrassed by that. <laughs> that, is, that is fortunate for him. Yeah. While we're on Kevin Phillips or Calvin... Leads that get a nomination here as well for getting a, auctioning a signed shirt of his. Calvin has donated them um, and it's signed England shirt, which is a very nice prize. And so all the uh, money raised for it is going to the Holbeck Stroke Slunglow, who are based just up the road from Ellen Road and are doing some some fine work with the food bank. And yeah, have been for months now. Damn right, right at the heart of our community. So it's five pound a ticket for that. Um, you live in Bradford, yeah, but our community, Leeds United's community, you bastard. Honestly, I, I was trying to be nice and sincere. You come and chuck that shit. At and me. he's from Pontefract. <laughs> Right, everyone give your money to Pontefract Charities. <laughs> anyway, if you want to get involved in this, leadsthat.com forward slash donate. What a set of bastards. Patrick Bamford got on the end of that Kevin Phillips um, through ball, so good on him for doing that. And eight goals, showing anybody who ever criticised him that they were wrong and probably idiotic. I'll be honest, I didn't think he'd get eight goals all season, and he's done it in 11 games. And so, he's, he's well doing re- he's doing really well. His efficiency has gone up so much, and but not only that, his composure. Like that chance against Chelsea last season, or maybe even the season before, you could have imagined him just maybe getting it wrong. Being we don't have to sp- imagine it. We saw it. Yeah, I'm about that's to say why you- I won't retrospectively change my opinion. Is because when he was through on goal last season, I can't remember which game it was, but he was given that absolute gift of a pass, wasn't it, by Click? And he he had the same opportunity to go around the goalkeeper, and he completely messed it up. So at that point, you say. That wasn't good. You should do better. Now, stroking the ball and just teasing it around the goalkeeper, outrunning the surprisingly slow Chelsea <laughs> defence and finishing it off perfectly. And now you can say, Patrick Bamford on target for 38 and 38. And if he comes up short, we should sell him. We'll barrack him. Uh, well done to Chelsea Pinder's husband, who is the Leeds United fan in Washington State, who uh, is a lecky, isn't he? He's a sparky and he has made his house into a disco Christmas lights house, which is great. And if you're going to go full bloody Clark W. Griswold, National Lampoons, then do it. Do it like this. Make it a Leeds one. It is incredibly impressive. I like to think that the music plays nonstop as well. <laughs> Overnight. Yep. Through all of December, <laughs> blasting out of some loudspeakers on his driveway. <laughs> now, well done. It's good, that. Makes my own efforts of um, chucking a few... Bits of tinsel up look quite pathetic. Do you celebrate Christmas in Pontefract? 
if people donate, well, the man, then maybe we can. The nice man from the Haribo factory comes around, doesn't he? Uh, we, we do have Haribo Christmas lights yeah. in, uh, in Pontefract. That's Once a year, giving out arms to the poor, that kind of thing. Just through your letter, tang fast through your letterbox. That's what everyone gets. <laughs> and everyone races around in December absolutely off their tits on sugar. Brilliant. Okay, is that all our candidates for this week? Who's the hero of the week? We should probably give it to the man who is known as Sir Kev, shouldn't we, for his work? Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Sir Kevin Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> but the no, two the Kevins. Other, the, other one's, the other one's good as well. <laughs> a, tough, no. a tough showdown between two Kevins, but... Uh... I know we are a football podcast and none of us are even particularly into rugby, but I think everyone's got behind him and it's it shows what sport is about. And Leeds. And Leeds, yeah. So let's celebrate that. Agreed. Well done. <laughs> good that yeah. well, well done, done with your running in that yeah. I know the Andy Hughes Hero Award is uh, probably surpassing the £2 million race for charity in the book of Kevin Sinfield but you know we're proud to give it to you we're, we're glad to bestow that honour upon you and we'll wrap it up there for this week if you want to get involved with TSB Plus our new sub package you can listen to that full Angus Kinnear interview over on there on the Extra Ball and you get all our podcasts ad-free plus early access to the match ball plus you get digital access to the mag a daily email from moscow it's at the squareball.net forward slash plus catch you next time see you in a bit bye-bye the square ball podcast mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.